Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app and of course Friday evenings on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes, this is show number 929. Joining me as always is our Editor-in-Chief uh, Niall Kitson. Uh, look at the news stories this week and... I kind of follow on to what we were talking about only a week or two back about Uber and surge pricing and how awful it is. Now, somebody else is doing it and it's even worse. Yeah. um, Ticketmaster, if you have had the misfortune to use their service uh, lately, um, I have a couple of months ago, uh, I was looking to go and see Tool when the gig was announced for the point. And ticket prices were announced at something in the region of €300. Euro. Okay, so this is a 5,000-seat arena, and they're looking to charge €300 Euro for anyone that wasn't in on the pre-sale on the official website. Okay? A regular seat, you know, not premium or anything like that. <laughs> so uh, held on and held on. And the night before, out of curiosity... I went on to the Ticketmaster app to see how the price changed um, because I had sort of priced a little trip to London. I got a ticket there because tickets were like £50. Um, have an overnight. Would it be cheaper to actually go to London and see the gig uh, and have a little bit of experience for it than to sort of just see it in Dublin and pay over the odds for, for a ticket? So I was all ready to go. Then I checked the price for the Dublin gig, um, and it had gone down to 72 euro, I think I ended up paying the night before. Now, was this definitely surge pricing the Ticketmaster were doing with that? Yeah, yeah. And I was sitting beside a couple of guys at the gig, and they said, you know what, we saw the original price, we went on last night, uh, we saw what it had come down to, we travelled to Dublin just to see this, because there is no way we were paying that much, uh, but we will pay 70 euro. The price was right. So we did it. And I think the amount of people I was talking to um, around the venue and on the Lewis, who were, who were just amazed that the ticket price had come down so much. Um, so Ticketmaster have been doing something quite similar um, with the current Bruce Springsteen concert. Um, apparently in England, some people have been quoted up to £4,000 for a ticket. Uh, to which Ticketmaster said, you know what, most, most of the tickets, actually it was dollars, this is, this is the US tour. Um, uh, Ticketmaster said, look, yeah, most, most of the tickets are under €200, Euro. to be honest, that's still a lot of money. <laughs> but for uh, a select group, for about 11% of our tickets have been on this variable pricing model, which is how you've been seeing tickets go up to about $4,000, which basically means Ticketmaster was able to go, you have been paying X much. Let's let's just up this a little bit and, and fleece you for a bit more. Because I guarantee you, if Niall Kitson went on to Ticketmaster and was quoted at X amount, knowing my patterns, and Dusty Rhodes was to go on to Ticketmaster, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, Dusty very rarely goes anywhere, you would be charged something very, very different for your troubles. 
I like that. Dusty rarely goes anywhere. Dusty rarely goes anywhere. <laughs> but it's funny when people know what it is. Like, I mean, I see this on, on Amazon and I'm quite convinced that some of the prices I'm seeing on Amazon are for me and it's mm. based on what I've paid before for things. Uh, and I heard somewhere along the line as well that Uber, uh, a company that I am increasingly disliking, um, no, Uber know that people are willing to pay higher prices if the phone battery is low. That's an incredible data. That's incredible data. And it's kind of like this surge pricing with Uber. uh, And I've seen this before when I'm on holidays. All right. And I get the surge pricing. Okay. If it's kind of Saturday night. All right. And there's 5,000 people and they're all looking for one of only 200 taxis that are available. If you're going to pay a premium to get home, da, 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 whatever. Okay. I kind of understand that to to a certain extent. But then I've also seen surge pricing on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday or a morning. Thursday afternoon. And it's not because that there's so many people looking for taxis, it's because there's not enough taxis in the area. And they're yeah. overcharging you because they are unable to provide the service. So that kind of thing. And that, that, and that variable pricing really annoys me. They're just in anything in life. All right. I like to know what is the price. Just tell yeah, me. What and is and the it's price. a lot more common than we think. Uh, a lot of companies are using AI to mm. do what they're referring to as personalization. Uh, sort of what what particular offers and prices do you think uh, they do they think you will respond to mm. best uh, and it's you know uh, this is this is exactly where it's coming from it's like oh so you your last cd purchase was bruce springsteen eh well let's let's jack up the price a little bit if you happen to want to go see the guy um, this is the world that we live in AI is being used to fleece us yeah 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 i don't and I, I, I don't like it and i don't like it at all even in, mm. in even in Finland, I I would like to agree with the fact that a speeding fine in Finland is based on your salary. <laughs> now that is actually quite reasonable. Yeah, but you see, if you're going to agree to that, then well, why not agree then to paying four thousand euros for a Bruce Springsteen ticket because you can afford it. You can't have boss. one and then not the other. Do you know what I mean? So mm. <laughs> anyway, another yeah. bane on our lives uh, over the years has been uh, cookies. Cookies, yes. yes. And Google are kind of in the news because, I mean, we've had Apple who are kind of going, right, well, well, we're not going to allow cookies or we're not going to allow that sharing or advertising, tracking information, whatever. And that's really upset the entire uh, ecosystem. Mm. Uh, and now Google are saying that they're also going to come up with this whole privacy thing so that uh, you won't need cookies anymore. There'll be a certain amount of tracking, but it won't be necessarily tied to you, so to speak. Okay, um, well, what, what Google specifically has said they want to get rid of is third-party cookies, uh, which they're meant to be doing in earnest, but it now looks like they're going to be put on on the long finger ever so slightly. And you know what? If that finger gets progressively longer, don't be too surprised. Um, But what Google has pledged to do is to phase out the use of third-party cookies. Now, the the way this works, um, when you visit a website, uh, a little text file will be deposited in your browser. That's a cookie. That is a a basic identifier of, you know... um, your browser and where you're from and all this sort of stuff. And it, it speaks again to that element of personalization, you know, from, you know, even just remembering your password on a website and um, the way that you log into a store and guess what? You're logged in already. Hey, the magic of magic of cookies. Now, uh, Google doesn't want to do anything about their own cookies, which are the things that track us in Google Analytics and help them with AdSense and all that other sort of stuff. That's, that's okay. What they want to get rid of is the third-party cookies, 
which are those little ads that track you from site to site. Ooh. Okay, so okay, so the cookies will just track what you're doing online and they'll show you ads that are relevant to you, whatever. And this is how, uh, if you've been talking about something in the house and your smart speaker hears you, as we all believe happens. And as they we all, all deny, believe happens. And they all deny it doesn't happen. But if you were looking at something on, on Facebook, then all of a sudden an ad for that particular thing will start popping up on your, on your web browsing and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so what you're saying is that Google are going to stop that for everybody else but keep it for themselves. Well, they're, they're basically going to, well, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out for AdSense because it would be creating monopoly, uh, which we all know neither Europe nor, nor the FTC are too hot on. Yeah. Um, they've already forked out a whole bunch of cash to Europe over the um, placement of ads oh. on Google searches. Yeah, yeah, they're promoting their own things first. Be, uh, promoting uh, their own uh, things first. People, yeah. yeah. So if you are into your analytics, this is a decision that's probably not going to hurt no. you. If you are into ad tech or your business relies an awful lot mm. on e-commerce, this is a huge decision and it's really going to uh, affect your business. So you're it's, really going to have to find new ways to reach customers. It's going to affect it massively because Apple put a stop to cookies, as I understand them, on their system. So, uh, and there was this whole thing between Apple and Facebook because Facebook was no longer able to say uh, who was viewing your ads if they were looking at on an Apple device. And mm. this is a massive thing. And I love Facebook because Facebook went, do you know what? We don't know who's seen your thing, but for the purpose of analytics, we'll take a guess. <laughs> and then they give you a load of numbers, which is literally them guessing. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they charge you based on that. It's ridiculous. All right. Now, now that's Apple. As we all know, Apple are huge, but they're not half as big as Google. Well, in in ads. In ads, but that's a, yeah, but in, other stuff. in reach, if you want to put it that way, for the amount of people who would interact with Google every day is way more than the people who would interact mm. with Apple. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. I like what you say, and that's a really good point that you've made uh, about uh, anti-competitive uh, in the States and in the EU. I think Google are probably going to sell this in, in a privacy thing, and they're just mm. kind of going to go, well, if people use our browsers, there will be data, but it'll be anonymized, uh, and uh, uh, it'll be more private and stuff like that. The key will be, will they still use it for their own advantage with their own AdWords service, I suppose? There, hmm. there will be a setting in the back end. Ah, you will. know there yeah, will. Yeah, of course there will. Yeah, yeah. Because the level of trust in society these days with any of these companies is below where the toilet sits. Uh, finally, uh, the moon. The moon, moon. could p quite possibly be human friendly. I never thought. But there is a very good reason for making the statement the moon is human friendly. Why? Well, I mean, for, for one, we know there is a mission to the moon going uh, in this 2025, yeah. the Artemis mission. Uh, we haven't been actually on the moon since 1972. When I say we, of course, we mean... Humans. <laughs> yeah, humans. Um, so uh, I picked up some interesting trivia. Do you know how warm and how cold it gets on the moon? Oh, during the uh, a day night cycle. I don't know but it's like it's, it's hundreds of degrees isn't it during the day it's, it's, it's hundreds during of degrees day, of hot and, and it, the dark side of the moon is hundreds of degrees cold yeah during the day um, the moon is roughly 127 degrees Celsius during the day mm. during the night it's a minus 173 Celsius so you've got massive <laughs> variance in temperatures like it, it makes sort of uh, 
colonization immensely problematic. Yeah. However, there is good news. Um, there is a mission called the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. It's been up there since 2009. And uh, this um, uh, satellite's mission is to map the moon and just figure out where everything is, what the uh, topography is like, what the temperatures are like, you know, where exactly can we can we put people, where can we land people? Um, and they've been at this for quite a while. And they've identified 200 what they're calling pits uh, about the moon, right? Uh, and so they, these could be formed in various ways. Well, one example that was found was uh, a collapsed cave, right? So you've actually got, you know, the, uh, the pit on the top, but you potentially have a long way down as well um, that you can sort of potentially use. And what they have found is the temperature in one of these pits is 17 degrees Celsius during the day. Wow. And at night, possibly 16. Temperature no. is very, very stable. Wow. Oh, that's oh, that's huge. And that makes it very, very easy to set up, you know, any sort of a base. And temperature and insulation and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's good. Yeah. So it'd be kind of like, um, are they caves or are they uh, pits or are they craters? It's not I the guess craters. You gotta, you, you got to take it on a, a one-to-one yeah. uh, or, or a case-by-case basis. The one that they were looking at was the, mm, here we go, Mary Tranquiliatus. Okay, Tranquilibus. Tranquilibus. I don't know whether they have yeah, it. But, uh, yeah. you, you, you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, it's, it's going to, the moon is hotting up because they are going to be sending their first uh, unmanned craft there. I think at the end of, uh, I said this month, I'm thinking it's August already. Uh, it's the bank holiday, you see, it's in my head. Um, uh, at the end of August or start of September, uh, NASA are hoping to send an unmanned craft. Uh, then mm. the next mission, the second one will be a manned craft to do a little circling around, just like Apollo 13 did. What could go wrong? Uh, And then after that, then the third one will be an actual, uh, and I think they're planning on landing a a female and a person of colour on the moon as well. Um, a person of colour I hate that bloody expression Jeez, we're all people of colour but you know what I mean um, so that's what they want to do so they're setting a, a couple of first. so that's all going to be happening uh, across the next couple of years which is quite good and Buzz Aldrin's jacket uh, was sold for a ridiculous amount of money it's become the most expensive American artefact in history and I can't, I can't remember was somebody paid like ridiculous millions just for that jacket. And I think this is one he wore. Millions. Uh, Seven oh, figure sum. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, huge, huge money. I only saw that in passing the other day. I didn't think we were going to use it in the show. So, but there we go. Anyway, listen, that is the news for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. One of the problems that artists and creatives have is managing their personal brands. And I suppose it's a thing that we all have to do, manage our personal brands if you're running your own business or a small company or something like that. Uh, For artists and creatives, time spent managing a website, social media presence across multiple platforms is time they could better spend in the studio. So what can be done to free up more time for what matters most to them? Unify is a dairy-based startup seeking to solve this very problem. And Niall Kitson caught up with Hugh Callahan, who explained the rationale behind the project. 
Hugh, one of the things we keep hearing about the digital economy is that it has removed barriers to entry for pretty much everybody. If you have an idea, you can explore it. However, not everybody is naturally given to have the skills or the outlook to find a way to promote their work online, either through uh, brand building or through social media. Have you found this to be the case in the creator community as well? Because one would imagine that, you know, people that are, you know, for want of a better term, born on the web, naturally have an inclination to leverage multiple platforms, be it social, be it crowdfunding. Not necessarily the case, though, is it? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think there's a new, whole new ecosystem of platforms out there for creators, and it makes them so easy for them to monetize their content online. But kind of one of the things we noticed in our discovery is that there is a skills gap between actually knowing how to just post some content and kind of winging it until actually knowing how to build the business and build the brand. I think that's kind of a huge gap at the minute that a lot of creators aren't necessarily aware how to start to build their own brand or promote their own brand. I think a lot of the platforms they use today are, are what would be called a rented platform because they're renting space on these platforms. And it's difficult for them to start building and promoting their own brand because at the end of the day, they're actually promoting these brands. Like, for instance, Patreon. People say, go back to my Patreon page or go back to my Buy Me a Coffee page for tips. And they're steady promoting other brands. And I feel like it's kind of like a honey, the honeymoon period I'm thinking now because the last number of years, these platforms have popped up and they've been great. They've given creators an option to monetize their content. but um, it's kind of coming to a point now you're like, wow, this is kind of great at the start, but how do I start building my own business, my own brand away from these platforms and kind of distinguishing myself, if you know what I mean? But um, yeah, you're right. A lot of the up and coming generation are kind of digital natives. So they're well used to managing multiple platforms, but it kind of takes up a lot of their time. It's kind of one of the problem areas we identified with these creators, um, kind of three areas. Uh, it creates a bigger time around kind of time, ownership, and costs. Um, time in the sense that like, creators might have to manage their channels and content between four and six different platforms, costing them a lot of time. And the ownership, as I said, because creators kind of want to start to build their own platform and brand, but are struggling to achieve that with um, existing solutions. And I, obviously, I think the money thing comes into it, which plays a big part, like because renting platforms can carry fees between 5 and 30%, increasing their costs. And that really increases their costs significantly as they scale. You know, it may not seem like a big problem now, but say a creator is making a couple hundred pounds a week or a month even. But then once they start to scale up and they're starting to hit um, a couple thousand pounds a month, you know, that 5 to 30% starts to take a big hit. So I feel like that's kind of three problem areas we identify as um, for creators today. And there is that sort of eternal trade-off between time you spend marketing and time you spend actually creating, because I imagine yeah. everybody starts out with great intentions of, you know, I'm going to make the best videos, I'm going to make the best products yes. that I can find. Um, but then you do get caught up in these additional platforms to try and monetize your work. So in your own engagements with creators, have you found that people are just, you know, shrugging their shoulders at, at you know, commercial opportunities because, do, do you know what, I just physically cannot devote time to this end of things, even though it's an interesting product, it's an interesting platform. I've got to focus on what I'm meant to be doing well. 
You're absolutely right. Burnout is a big thing for creators today because especially with social media platforms, they're constantly battling the algorithms and they have to keep producing content that keeps up, keeps them algorithms happy. And it's exhausting. It's, it's, it is killing them really. And what they're doing is looking then to external platforms like the platforms will initially be competing with those rented platforms like Patreon and whatnot, where they can actually start to take a breath, take, take a kind of breather from that and start posting their own content without having to constantly, constantly make content to stay relevant in that space. Um, but yeah, I think for those platforms like discovery platforms like TikTok, YouTube, they're great because they do open up a lot of commercial opportunities for creators like brand deals, affiliate marketing and sponsorships and things like that. Um, but creators now, I think around 67, 70% see subscription and tips as their number one source of income outside of uh, ad revenue, ad share revenue from those platforms. So they they do kind of they want to start focusing on building out their own solution. If you know what I mean, instead of relying on these uh, third party platforms, discovery platforms like uh, TikTok and YouTube and such. So where does your solution Unify come in? I mean, is it a matter of you know you guys scouring the web for the most efficient platforms to be a part of, or are you building your own sort of uh, for want of a better term unified solution? Yeah, no, you're right. So. For us, um, I say Unify is kind of like a business and brand building SaaS platform that provides creators with their own platform and toolkit um, to monetize their content and scale their passion into a thriving business. Now, I can imagine people probably thinking like, well, who are creators? Like, like who, are, who really are they? But those creators are people that create content um, typically for uh, online consumption and they make up what's known as the creator economy. So like YouTubers, influencers, uh, writers, TikTokers, podcasters, vloggers, and you know, that list goes on. So for us, we're building a one-stop solution um, for creators from all walks of life, from passive to part-time to full-time. And so whether one of these creators kind of want to build a simple link page to house all their links, uh, to collect tips, or fund their creative projects, run subscriptions on their content, build and sell courses, build communities, start a podcast, sell merchandise. You can do that all on your own platform with Unify. So what we do is remove the barriers to building your own platform, like cost, time, and, and risk, uh, empowering creators to easily unify all their channels in one place, and then use the tools we provide to manage them like a boss, like their own manager. So we take care of the hosting and messy backend uh, maintenance and let uh, creators focus on their business and passion. So can I mention some examples for instead of using Patreon for subscriptions or Buy Me A Coffee Tips, Teachable, Etsy, Podbean, or a host of other rented platforms with accumulating fees, you can just build your own with Unify in minutes. And we're going to make that process very easy, as easy as possible, because that's one of the things we find people, some of the things you can technically do you're on your own if you want to go to a typical website builder, but the thought of doing that for creators is kind of kind of makes them cringe. They're just like, oh, I don't really want to put in that much effort and build it. I'm not sure if I can do it. Um, so that's kind of where we come in. We just make it really simple for them. 
to build out their own platform with whatever functionalities they need. And, and I suppose you're kind of um, given that option to experiment with different forms. If you're talking about uh, having the option to have podcasts in there that, yes. you know, maybe somebody has a show coming up and they're like, OK, I just want to do one podcast to explain what's going on and have it have it yes. complement my my online presence. This is very much the kind of thing you're you're going to say, do you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So like a lot of influencers now are actually they've turning to making podcasts kind of because i think really the smartest creators and influencers out there they're going to start diversifying their income they're not just going to focus on okay i'm making i'm doing brandies here I, actually when i started actually selling my own merchandise as you say i might want to make one podcast so for a creator like that all they'd have to do is simply just head on their dashboard select podcast we have a podcast template there they can immediately just start obviously depending on what platform they use to record, they can integrate that within. But we just want to make it as easy as possible for someone to start up their own podcast in minutes instead of having to worry or how am I going to do this, if you know what I mean. Lastly, then, when it comes to product development, uh, it's essential to develop that virtuous circle between you know, the, the customer and the developer or, or the, the, the company. Um, how are you finding feedback from the creator community has been so far? Yeah, on the prototype, we've we've got over it's content. It's a continuing process. Is <laughs> the process is ongoing? We've got over thirty creators now. Kind of had one on ones with them about the prototype, and they love it. Um, kind of, I think on total, those thirty creators have over three point two million followers across various social media platforms. But yeah, they're loving the concept. They love they love the prototype we made and. It kind of is just touching on the things that we identified during discovery. I think it would save them time. They like the money aspect, but they also like the ownership where they're saying, wow, this is like my own platform. I don't have to promote other platforms to push people back. Like I can actually say, hey, go back to my my space. Do you know what I mean? My my area where all my content is. Um, but yeah, I think during discovery, we kind of nailed down what the problem they're having and it was a great feeling just seeing these creators kind of see the actual the the prototype and saying, "Well, wow, this is exactly what we need." I haven't seen anything like this out there right now. Um, so yeah, no, it's been really positive so far, but it's an ongoing process. Very hard to get in contact. You might reach out. I think we do over two hundred. Um, but they get so many messages through their inboxes or whatever. It's very hard to get through to them. But once you do get through to them, um. They're loving the idea for sure. That's a very interesting point on recruitment is, is you know, d- adopting that sort of machine gun approach to actually see who who comes back. And what sort of creatives have you found yourself dealing with? As, you know, have you found visual arts to be more interested in things than, um, say, you know, people working in music? Or you know, has it been fairly steady across the board? We've kind of got different. So we've got a few musicians. Um, I think what's appealing to them is actually setting up their own kind of website where they can set up events, promote their merchandise and things like that. And again, like their labels are telling them, listen, you need to get your own website. They kind of do all this stuff. And they're just kind of dragging their feet. Like we don't really want to try this, build this or whatever. So well, we're, we would be there. Like we would have all this kind of set up and done for them. Um, and then we have some writers too that some few of their pain points like they just want the simple solution where they can send out a blog cheap 
um, with email, uh, monthly newsletter. So obviously Substack are quite good at that. They take a percentage, whereas we're just kind of going for a fixed base usage or usage base model. So if a creator, if a creator, a writer wants to send out maybe 500 emails a month, we'll give them a nice fair deal to do that, make it easy for them. Um, but then to majority of which has been across TikTok, uh, YouTubers, and Instagram kind of creators. Um, and so again, they're kind of battling algorithms all the time, which is exhausting. So to have their own platform to kind of fall back on where they can bring a percentage of that audience there that really loves their content and then monetize that audience um, is a really, it's a really promising concept then, but something they really want as well. That was Hugh Callahan from Unify. Unify, uh, recent winner of the £10,000 Proof of Concept grant from the Catalyst Co-Founders Programme. And you can find out more about the co-founders at cofounders.co. A link to that in the show notes for you, as always. That is it for our show for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, do have a great bank holiday weekend. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.